This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshas told us everyone, 5781. The Pasuk that we're dealing with is Parachafhei Pasuk And I gave a share on this a couple years ago, but I, I found some other things that I wanted to add on to it. It says, Vayozed Yaakov Nazid. Now, the word Vayozed and Nazid are strange words, but seemingly it means he was cooking a stew. And we all know it was a lentil stew. Vayavo Esav Minasadav Huayev. Esav came from the field and he was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. There's a Medrash in Seder Adoros and Sefer Yasher that both bring down that after Avram Avinu died in the year 2123, Esav went to the fields and found Nimrod with his strong men hunting. Nimrod had always been jealous of Esav. He heard that Esav was this young hunter and that everybody knew about him, etc. So he knew he was, I guess he heard of his hunting prowess even at the age of 15 that Esav was at the time. When Esav saw him, he only had his two bodyguards with him, one being his son Chivar and the rest of them being a little bit further off. Esav ambushed him until he got really, really close. And once he got close to him, he jumped out of the tree chopped off the head of Nimrod, and then was fighting with the different guards. The guards were right there. They were able to call out for help before Asa was able to subdue them and knock them down, and everybody came running. Asa realized that he was in a lot of trouble, so he grabbed the Big Day Hamudos, those great clothing that Nimrod had on him that he was wearing. Chazal say those Big Day Hamudos were handed down from Adamarishon, down to Mesushelach, all the way down to Chanoch, to Mesushelach, and he gave it to Noach. They were stolen by Chum on the table. Chum gave it to Canaan, and Canaan gave it to Nimrod. Those were the Big Day Hamudos that he had at the time, and he ran away. Esav grabbed those, those special clothing. He ran away, eventually making his way all the way back home. At this point, he was exhausted, absolutely starving, and he met Yaakov while he was making food. Nimrod was 215 years old at the time. He died in the same day as Avram. You know, Avram you know, passed away at the age of 175. Now, there are other Machlokas Midrashim over here, little details. Pirkei Rebeleazar and Chavdalet says Esav saw Nimrod wearing these clothes and desired them. He'd never known ha- no, that he had it, and that's why he decided to kill him. However, in Bereshis Rabbah, Perak Samach Gimel Yudches, some Yud, Yud Gimel in some versions, it sounds like Nimrod wanted to kill him, that Esav had the big it was the exact opposite, and that seems strange. However, Bereshis Rabba, Samach Gimel, Psikta Rabasi, and Yud and the Torah Shlema brings down a tough Nun Yud. I, I don't know who it is, maybe a Yalkuteman. Seems that Esav was unaware that Avram Vinu had died that day. He had no idea. It happened to be that Nimrod and Avram died on the same day. Either way, that leads up to our Pasuk over here, where Yaakovin was cooking food in the wake of his grandfather's death. So the words by Yozed and Nazid, like we mentioned before, are strange. We don't know exactly what they mean. Rashi, based on Targumunculus, says it means the word cooked. Vayozid is cooked. Haksaba Kabbalah says it doesn't refer to actual cooking because the Pasuk would have used the word mevashel, which it does everywhere throughout the entire Torah. So it doesn't mean actual cooked. Vayozid means preparation for cooking. The word mezid that we use to denote somebody who did something on purpose, a sin on purpose, is the word vayozid is because he's cooked in his brain. It's like he's fired up and he wants to do something so badly. That's the idea of it. So the water boiling and beginning to cook, that's what it refers to over here. And by the way, that tells you how hungry Esav was. The lentils weren't fully cooked and yet still he ate them. I don't know if anybody's learned Shabbos before, but you know there's something called machel ben drusoi, that the amount of cooked that a 
food needs to have in order to be considered cooked for Shabbos is one-third of the way through because Ben Drusoy, who was a robber, used to eat that way. Esav ate that food in a state of Macho Ben Drusoy, as if it's almost cooked. That's exactly what he did. So that's the first thing. That's from Rashi in the Ksav HaKabbalah. The Vayazid means he cooked, but not cooked, prepared for cooking. He made it hot in a certain way. Orachim HaKadur suggests that Yaakov did this because he noticed that Esav was loved by his father and Esav used to bring him food all the time. Kitsayid Bethiv, as the Pasuk said before this, there were trapped animals in his mouth. So he figured he could do the same. It had nothing to do with Avram Binu's death, according to Orachim HaKadur. He made food to try to give Yaakov, Yitzchak Avinu, his father, something great so that he would love him as much as he loved Esav. That's the Orachim HaKadur, which is an absolute unbelievable Orachim HaKadur. The Medrash Gadol says even though Yitzchak Avinu had many servants in the house. Now, again, we think of Yitzchak as like the Nebuchadnezzar to say of the Avos, as if like we don't know anything about him, so he might not be there. Yitzchak Avinu also had Gerim, says the Meshachachma. Yitzchak Avinu had, had servants throughout the house, and he was also extremely rich. The Mea Sha'arim that he was able to get, the hundredfold of grain that he was able to get in his fields, and the Be'eros that he created throughout the Pelishi land, he was extremely wealthy. He had servants. And if Yaakov Avinu would have allowed them to, they would have all cooked and done everything. And Yaakov didn't have to do anything. But perhaps says the Medjugadol. Yaakov came in when nobody else was around. Or maybe he was learning late into the night and that's when Esav came in. At those times when he didn't want to bother anyone else, his anivus showed that he was willing to go cook his food on his own. Malbim says, the Bechor status meant that you were in charge of Parnassah for the family. Esav did not want that. He wanted to be in the fields. He wanted to hunt. He wanted to go do his own thing. The last thing he wanted was to be chained down and in charge of what his father and his mother wanted, especially an older father and mother, a 123-year-old father and a mother who wasn't that much younger, right, who said he didn't want to have to take care of that. You can even add to this the Medrash that Avramin had passed away on that day and whatever it was. Yaakov Avinu took over. Because when he saw that Esav wasn't taking care of his parents and that he didn't care, he didn't want to have anything to do with them, Yaakov Avinu got up and said, okay, I'm going to do this myself. I'm going to take care of this. And he was making lentils. Again, maybe because Avram Binu died on that day, but according to this idea from the Malbim, it could be that he was just making it stam. He was making it stam because that's what he did. And he finally, when Esav came in one night and said, make me food, Yaakov said, he can't have it both ways. If you're the Bechor, you take care of everybody. If you're not the Bechor, then give it to me. Let me do it, and I'll take care of everyone. And that's when he said, okay, I'm willing to sell it to you because I don't really care about this. I don't want to have to take care of the family. And sold his Bechor status to Yaakov, meaning the right to be Mepharnes and take care of the family. That's how the Malvin puts it. All of that is in the con- context of the word Vayazid Nezid, that he was cooking in some way, shape, or form, whether it's just undercooking it or just starting to cook or actually cooking it or getting involved in such a way. But... The word Vayazed is still strange, isn't it? It doesn't make sense that it would say the word Vayazed. It would be he cooked water, he made something there. But Vayazed, the Shach says that Vayazed was plotting something. He was planning this, says the Shach. He wanted the Bechor status since he was born. Yaakovino had been begging for such a thing, and he was looking for a way to get it away from Esau. He had no money since he sat and learned all day long, even at the age of 15. I mean, obviously he was young. What could he offer Esau? He knew that Esau was a hunter and often had food and brought stuff back and everything like that, and he would be starving after he came back. Now, he wouldn't want meat. He just had meat for the last couple days. Yaakov's plan, says the Shach. This is a plan. His plot, 
Vayazed. He plotted this and said, when Esav comes back, I'm going to have a soup ready for him. I'm going to have something that he doesn't normally have in the field, home-cooked food, for him to have as soon as he comes back, something that he would desire very badly and would he would not be able to hold himself back from. Aside from that, lentils are supposed to help you from Ascara, which is a choking disease, the Gemara Bracho Samach Gimel, the Memo Aleph says. And that was something that you get when you eat a lot of meat. That's something that could help you get stuff down. And he, he was right. Yaakovin was right. He plotted this. He planned it. He was ready for it. And this is exactly what Esav wanted. So according to the Shach, this was on purpose. This was intentional. He wanted, he plotted this. He planned this the whole time. He knew that Esav would be willing to give the Bechor status for something. And he just had to find something that would be good for him. So we, again, according to the Shach, it had nothing to do with Avram Vinu's death. It might have been that Avram Vinu died. But he was constantly making food that Esav would want so that he would eventually sell the Bechor to him. And at one point, at the age of 15, he did it. The Tzror HaMor says, Vayaz is a Lashon of Machshava, which goes with this idea. Ki badavar asher zadu alehem. The thing that they plotted to do, that they wanted to do, was on them. And says, the, it's amazing, the Torah more. This advice was given to him by Shame and Aver themselves. When he went to Yeshiva and Shame and Aver, Shame and Aver told him, you have to take the Bechor status away from Esav. He doesn't deserve to be under Yitzchak. He doesn't deserve to be the Bechor of the household. Even if he is the Bechor, he doesn't deserve for that to happen. And they told him, you have to do X, Y, and Z and do this and make him sell it to you. And they came up with the ideas of how to do it halachically, etc. And there seems to be from a Zohar as well. So this was not just a certain night where Esav came in and he was hungry and Yaakov happened to be making lentils, which it sounds like from the Medrash that Avram Vino passed away. According to the Shach, the Tzor Amor, and possibly even the Zohar, the Pshapiyan is that he was plotting this, planning this, waiting for Esav to come home in order to sell the Bechor, to sell this to him in order to get the Bechor back. And that was a mind-blowing event. Something that he was ready to do the entire time wanting it to happen. In fact, the Alshech, Ramosha Alshech says that Yaakov was making two foods here. One was the lentils. That was the red food. But there was something else there as well. And that's why it says, Vayazed Yaakov Nazid. He made food. But it wasn't necessarily just one brand of food, just the lentils themselves. It was more than just that. When Esav came in, he looked at both dishes and said, I want the red dish. Thinking that it was some type of bloody dish, and he's so used to meat, he wanted that, but it really wasn't. It wasn't a bloody meat dish. It was lentils, and it said, it seems like that would fit his lifestyle. That's the Pshapianin. In fact, this makes a ton of sense. Because if he gave Esav all the lentils, like it sounds like in the Pasuk itself, and sold him all the lentils, then what in the world was he going to feed Yitzchak? This whole point, according to the Medrash, he's feeding it to Yitzchak because of what happened with Avram Avinu, that Avram Avinu had passed away. If the lentils were gone, and he sold it for something else, he sold them for something else, then what was he going to give his father? His father's sitting there hungry because he wanted to get the Bechor? How is that allowed? You have a mitzvah of Kibbut aim. How could Yaakov give that up? And therefore, says the Alshech, he had two foods. The other food he still gave to Yitzchak. Who knows what that other food was? But the lentils that he sold over to Esau, and he gave that over to Esau. In fact, the Nitziv says that the Pasuk purposely hides from us what the food is. We need Rashi to tell us it was Nizid Shalad Dashim, that it was some type of lentils. Because Esau calls it Edom, and that's so important. Because people made fun of Esau for this for the rest of his life. Once they heard that you sold your birthright, your Bechor, your firstborn status for a bowl of lentils, they made fun of him. 
The Esav took it in stride. He said, yeah, what's the Bechor worth anyway? By Yivez Esav Bechor, he couldn't stand it whatsoever. But this was Hashkacha from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he chose the red stuff. He didn't even know what it was. He said it was red. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, from that point on, had him be known as Edom, so that everyone knew the Bechor status was sold. Because you can imagine, you think there were Edom there? You think there were witnesses that watched Yaakov buy the Bechor status from Esav? You think Esav would have legitimized such a sale later on? You think if Yaakov said, oh, I bought the Bechor status off him, that Esav would say, yes, he did, and I sold it for a thing of lentils? No, that would never have happened. He would have denied it. Yaakov would have said, I bought the Bechor status from you, and Esav would have said, what are you talking about? That never happened. The only reason why people know about it is because Esav walked away saying, I have this red stew. Somebody said, where do you get it from? From Yaakov. Why do you get it? I sold him my firstborn status. And the story went around and everybody knew about it so that Esav could no longer deny it. It was a brilliant move, says the Nitziv. Now everybody knew about it and it's purposely made in that way. But let's go back to the original Medrash. Targum Yonason says that that day Avraminu had died. Yaakov was cooking these lentils for his father to console him over his loss. The Balaturim says Nazid is the same gematria as El Evlo to his mourning. It's off by one, it's 71 and 70, 71 and 70. But referring to the Avelos of Avram Avinu. So on that day, Avraminu had died and he was giving that in Avelos. Those nine Latorah says that's why Yaakov was cooking. Because we said before, there could be other reasons, but Yaakov was cooking because on this day, something off was happening. He stopped learning Torah and went into the kitchen to go make something for his father, knowing that he wanted something for his Avelos. The Rabbeinu Bechaya learns from here that an Abel does not eat his own food. We purposely make sure that he has a Sudas Havra'a. We give him meals from other people, and we learn it from right here. Yaakov was making it for Yitzchak so that Yitzchak and Rivka didn't make it themselves on purpose. That's Avelim shouldn't do that. He says that Len- Lentils and eggs are typical of a meal that you give an oval because they're closed up and round, closed up and to indicate that even though we want to say so many things to God, why did this happen? We close our mouths and we say no. And they're round because it's a galgal saviv ba'olam, that this is the way the world works. There's life and death and somehow HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes sure that everything is right there. That's the shot behind why we serve lentils and round eggs or roundish eggs, I guess you can say, specifically during a veil of self. The Igri de Kawa has a minug based on this when you should eat lentils and eggs and when you shouldn't, he has a whole thing. The Torah Tamima says the hint of this is from the fact that Esav didn't call it by name. It must have been a new food that he had never had before. And that's why he said the red stuff. He didn't know what it was. And that's why it's called Nazid and Edom, but it's not called Adoshim. It was something that was made specifically for Avelos, but they didn't have it any other time. I don't know if anybody's had lentil soup. I despise lentil soup. I can't stand it whatsoever. So that's absolutely not something that you'd eat normally, I would think, right? And because of that, it wasn't like that. I've said that before and a lot of people told me they really like lentil soup. I don't know if they're human. Miam says when Esav turned 15, when he turned 15 years old, he began to do terrible sins publicly. He had already started doing sins at the time of 13. Rashi says that a few psukim earlier, that already at the age of 13, Esav was starting to go off. And that's the reason why Avrinus died five years early at the age of 175 instead of 180, so he wouldn't see the public displays that Esav was doing, which only started when he was 15, not when he was 13. That's why it says, Asher Chai by Avram Avinu, and that's going to come into something interesting. He should have died at the age of 180, but he passed away right now. The Yalgu Ruveni in number 63 quotes a Psikta Rabasi, which is a crazy medrash, another crazy medrash. Esav came in while Yaakov was cooking these lentils and asked him, why are you cooking such food? Yaakov answered, grandfather has died. He said specifically, by the way, the medrash says, my grandfather Avram has died. Interesting that he said that way to Esav. My grandfather has died. And I hope that my grandfather will love me 
when he comes back, referring to Tchias Amesim. So I'm making these lentils as a show of some form of velus, like round lentils that maybe he'll come back soon. Esav asked him if you really believe, do you really believe that Avram's going to come back in Tchias Amesim? You really believe Tchias Amesim is going to happen? You think there's such a thing as reward and punishment? That's when Yaakov said, if it's not worth it to you, if you don't believe in it anyway, then why not trade me the Bechor status? That's when he told him, if you don't believe in it, you don't think it's real, then what's the point in you having it? Give it to me instead. The Paris Yosef wonders about this conversation. He says, if Esav knew the lentils were cooked during Avelis, he should have asked, who died? He should have gone in and said, who died? That's what he should have said. Must be he didn't know. So then when he asked, what's this? Yaakov should have said, we have a minute to cook lentils when somebody dies. That's what he should have answered, right? What's the exchange where he says, what is this? And he said, I'm hoping grandfather comes back to me. Well, say what happened. Say that grandfather died. And that's the reason why you're doing it. So he suggests that Esav knew that lentils were good for certain diseases like Ascara, like we mentioned before, the Gaman Brachos. Why do you need lentils? He asked. If our grandfather has a special stone that heals the sick, the Gemara in Baba Basra, Tezayin Abbeis, says, Vashem b'rachas Avram b'akol, Hashem blessed Avram everything. One of the things, one of the seven explanations of the Gemara is that he had a stone that he wore around his neck that everyone that looked at it was healed. That's the bakol. Everything. Avramino had absolutely everything. Everything was there. What do you need that for? What do you need lentils for? You don't have to worry about disease. We have the stone. We're good. We don't have to worry about anything whatsoever. And that's when Yaakov Avinu told him Avram had died. And from there, Esau understood the stone was gone and that the lentils are of all food. And that's when he denied everything. Now, it's interesting. In another medrash, when Esau heard that Avram had died on that day, he said, if such a tzaddik could die, there's no din in this world. There's no din, there's no reward, and there's no tchiyas amesim. He went off because Avram Inu died. Now that's strange, right? Because he already said that he did other sins that day. He was sinning since the age of 13. And now all of a sudden he's denying reward and punishment because Avram Inu passed away. Ruach HaKodesh called out and said, don't cry for Avram Avinu. Cry for Esav. Esav deserves your tears. Esav now deserves your tears, not Avram Inu. The Ksav Sofer says, this is the idea. In truth, there's no reason to cry when a tzaddik dies. When a tzaddik dies, it's the greatest thing in the world. He's gone out of this world of Sheker and he's going to the world of MS. He's going to Olam Haba to a much better place. He's getting his reward that he's been waiting for his whole life. He's going to Gan Eden. What are we crying for? We hear of a great tzaddik that passed away even if he dies at a young age. It's still better for him to be upstairs, says Aksav Sofer. But Yaakov was still making lentils, which means people were in Avelus. People were sad. Why should they be sad? Thought Esav to himself, this is how Esav thinks. Must be there's no real reward and punishment. Must be Avram, my grandfather, doesn't deserve Olam Haba. And they're crying because they think he's going to a worse place. They think he's going down below to a place called Gehenna. And that's why they're crying. Because otherwise we should be happy that such a man died. This is how Esav thinks. And he said, if Avram Avinu doesn't deserve to go to a better place, then who does? If my grandfather doesn't deserve to go to Gan Eden, then no one does. There must be no din, no reward, no punishment. And the Ruach HaKodesh called out and said, Yitzchak doesn't feel sad because it's Sadik of his father died. That's not why he's sad. He feels sad because he had to die early because Esav is around and he had to die five years early because of that. That a child's sins caused my father to lose five more years in this world. That's what he's crying for. Don't cry for Avram, cry for Esav. 
Arug Zabosim says lentils are hinting that we may have Tainos on a Baruch who claims on Hashem for allowing this person to die before his time. We should not say anything except the judgment as absolute just. And that's what he was worried about. Esav says, if Yaakov is serving lentils to Yitzchak, that must mean Avram died before his time. Esav couldn't understand that. This tzaddik, that was his problem. Now, Shlomo, hold on one second. I'm going to the last one. The Be'er Yosef says people should have taken Musr from Avram Inu's death. It makes sense to. If such a tzaddik, such a great person passed away, then anybody could die at any time. If he died, kol shikain, I could die. Kol shikain, something could happen to me. In ba'arazim, nafla shal heves. If among the cedars there came a flame, mayasu is over here. What's going to be with the hyssop on the wall? What's going to be with us? That's the muster you're supposed to take. But Asaph had already committed two sins on this day right before he had heard about Avraminu's death. And as we said, Esav had been sinning privately since the age of 13 for the last two years. His conscience was bothering him. And here's the episode, says the Ber Yosef. When your conscience is bothering you, and you think, you think, you can find an excuse for why you're sinning, then you use it. As soon as he saw that Avram Binu died, and he knew that he was already doing sins, it's not Avram's death that caused him to go off. No way. Avram's death didn't cause him to go off. Avram's death was the excuse he used to show everyone, see guys, there's no real din in the world. Of course he knew that he was doing something wrong, but this happens all the time. Rav Chaim Brisker once met a friend of his from his youth. Again, there's no way to judge this. The people in the mid-1800s, early 1900s, right, they were living in Europe. The Haskalah movement, the Enlightenment movement was huge, huge. And it was grabbing people all over the place. So this guy that Rechaim Brisker had grown up with in his hometown had gone off the derech and had become an enlightened Jew. So he saw Rav Chaim. Rav Chaim said, what had happened? You know, what happened to you? You were such a, such a great Talmud Chacham. What happened to you? And he said, I have some serious Shilas in Amuna. I, I don't know how to answer them. I have some serious Shilas here. So Rav Chaim asked him the following. Think of this penetrating thought. He said, tell me the truth. Did you have these questions before you sinned for the first time? Or you only had them afterward? And the guy told him truthfully, they came afterward. So Rav Chaim said, then your questions are not really questions. All they are are answers to your own behavior. That's what they are. You made these questions in Amuna to answer your behavior, why you're acting the way you do. I can answer questions, Baruch Hashem, said Rechaim Brisker, but I can't answer answers. So there's nothing I can do to help you. Avram's death was really Rachamim. And he should have seen that. Esav should have seen it. If Avram can die, anyone can die. That's what he should have seen. He, the, the Rachamim is even more so. The Rachamim was so, ironically, Avram Avinu wouldn't have to see Esav's sins. That's the reason why it happened. It's because Esav sinned that morning that Avram Avinu had to die. That's the reason why. It's because of you, Esav. You should have realized that. But instead, he assumed it was Midas Adin. And that's exactly what it means. It's a beautiful line from the Be'er Yosef, in which it says, that's why Chazal say, Oy lahem l'rashayim, adin. Woe to the Rashaim, they turn the midah of mercy into the midah of din. Because they look at things, things that are truly merciful, things that are even better for that person, and they say, it must be that he deserves to die. It must be that there is no God. It must be there's no judgment. Because when you're just answering your own behavior, you're not really asking any questions. That's the concept behind it. It's a brilliant shot from that. Shlomo, what's going on?
themselves that they can, there's clearly meme and we saw themselves thinking that we're supposed to feel too bad for it. Why would you immediately jump to something that's like, always going to that place? There's something that we lost. Again, if you add this Bar Yosef to anything that we said above, it's perfect. Everything's perfect. Because Asaf was trying to see it in the worst light possible so that he wouldn't have to do anything. That's the idea behind it. So add this Bar Yosef to everything, to everything we said above, and it just makes sense. Everything makes sense now. Because Asaf wasn't really looking for the right answers. Had he been looking for, had he been asking questions, the way we had it from the Reb Chaim Brisker story, and then received an answer, then you're right. He might have been okay, but he wasn't. He came in with an answer, and he can't answer answers. I think that's the shot behind it. But yeah, I, I agree with the question. The question is a good question. Okay, now the Ibn Ezra says in Pshat in the Pasuk, Ayefa is, Ayef usually means tired and hungry. And that's what it means based on the Pasuk in Yeshaya, Perak Lamed Beis, Be'eretz Ayefa. And that Asa was simply hungry and thirsty. He came from the fields, he's hungry and thirsty. Chizkuni says it makes sense. Hunters are exhausted. We don't know, even know how long Asa was gone for. Asa might have been gone for a week in the fields where they're chasing after wild animals. It's not like fishing, you know, where you rest the whole time. Hunting is real, real work. I don't want to make fun of fishers. Maybe fishermen are also, you know, are great, you know, hunter people. But either way, but hunters have to use their instincts. They're going on, on difficult animals to be able to trap. Sometimes they get lost in the deep forest and it takes days before they find civilization again. We have no idea. Now, if you go with these running away from the men of Nimrod, like we said above in the Medrash, okay, that's one thing. But in Pashup Shat, a guy who's coming from the forest after hunting for that long, especially at the age of 15, he was exhausted. He was tired. He was hungry. He was weary. The tour says it might be even simpler. Asaph came from the forest after days of hunting, right? He was completely exhausted. He found Yaakov in the fields tending to his sheep. You ever hear this message before? This is from the tour, not the Balaturim. The tour was well, the same person, but Rabbi Yaakov Balaturim wrote his Sefer Amshad. He found Yaakov in the fields. Asaph didn't want to approach his brother, knowing how much they were opposite to one another. But he said to himself, I'm going to die if I don't approach him now. He's the only one who can help me. And Yaakov had a bowl of soup, something with him in the fields, and that's what he did. So by Yazid Yaakov Nizid would be something else entirely, probably the plotting line that we had above. Paneach Raza says at this moment, Asif was seized by Bolmos. Bolmos. Beis Vav Lamed Mem Vav Samach. We don't know exactly what Bolmos is, but it seems to be some form of diabetes. That at that moment, Asif needed something, and if he didn't have it, he would die. Similar to a form of diabetes. I don't know if there's an actual translation for it. The tourist says the same as this Paneach Raza. He had to eat right then. And the Gemara in Yuma, Pegimo and Aleph talks about Bolmos and what happens to a person who has it. He was so weak, he couldn't even lift the food to his mouth, which is why he said, Haliteyuna, mina domadavazet, just feed it to me, just give it to me. Yaakov saw him and said, If I don't do anything and you die, I'm going to be the Bechor anyway. If I keep you alive, sell me the firstborn status that I should have anyway. And Asaph agreed and sold it to him. Almost as if to say, and I know this is hard, but it is a rish on the Panach Raza, that Yaakov took advantage of the situation and had him buy it from him and then saved his brother. Now, obviously that's hard to me. It should be hard to anybody that Yaakov you know, took advantage of a person who's dying in order to get the Bechor status off him. Right? In Pashib Shat and the Psukim, that seems what that seems to be what it's saying. Forget about forget about the measures for a second of Avraminu passing away, about him serving it to Yitzchak Avinu, about everything that we just said, right? If we're going in Pshat and it just seems the way it seems right now, where Asaph's coming from the field starving and he's dying, literally dying, and Yaakov says, Well, well, I got a deal for you. That seems like a terrible move to be able to say. And the Raza de Meir asks that. The Raza de Meir asks this question. He says, how in the world could Yaakov be so callous when Esav was dying and he starts bargaining with him? He says, Lishitaso. Esav was Chayav Misa. Lishitaso of the Panach Raza on the tour. He was Chayav Misa. Because according to this idea, Esav was a Mechashef. He was a magician. 
He did magic. He was an evil person, right? And because of that, he was already chayiv to die. There's a question if Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach, the seven Mitzvah B'nai Noach, includes Kishav. It's a Gemara in Sanhedrin and Nunches. But there is a Shita that says they're chayiv for Kishav. And he had been over on this and he carried his magics with him wherever he was. And therefore, Yaakov was not chayiv to save him. He said, if I do save you, which I'm not required to do, knowing the halacha, then it must be that you're going to do something for me. And then it's not considered a sin. It's sort of like lo sechanem, which I don't want to go into right now. But the concept of if you do something, then it will be mutter for me to be able to save you. Uh, but otherwise, it would be also for me to save you. That's a crazy pshat and a little bit off from what I would think in the pasha pshat of the idea. But who knows? But the Ben Ishkai says something that I think is more mistaber, makes a little bit more sense to me. The Ben Ishkai says, Bulmus, this idea of diabetes, did not exist before this point with Esav. Yaakov didn't believe he was dying. He thought he was lying to him. That's what he thought. When he saw Esav coming in from the field looking exhausted, he's like, come on, Esav, you're a 15-year-old boy. You've got all the strength in the world. You're a powerful guy. What could you possibly be dying from? What could it be? Not knowing that Bulmus was there because no one had ever seen this disease before. No one ever knew that it was there. So Yaakov Avinu, thinking that he was faking it, sold him or took this and that from one end to the other. However, he wanted to make sure that it was a legitimate sale. So according to this shot from the Od Yosef Chai, he fed him bread later on to give him a little bit of strength. And only after he gave him a little bit of strength, said, now, do you really want to sell it to me or not? And when he said yes, then he gave him the lentil soup and he went on. That's why it says later on, he gave him lechem, the nizira doshim. That's when he gave him that because up until that point, he wasn't sure what to do with it. Now that he had that, that was the hashkacha behind it that he came at that point. Rabbi Victor Miller says there's a massive lesson to be learned here and such a beautiful lesson. He says, Hashem gave Esav a tremendous amount of weariness at this moment. When people are tired and they're worn out, they make bad decisions. Never make a decision when you're tired, hungry, and you want to do something. It's not a good, a good idea. People lose their idealism when they're exhausted, when they're hungry. They would do things they would never do otherwise. Esav would never have given up his prized birthright if he were in a normal state of mind. But right now he was sad. He was disheartened. He didn't know what to do with himself. In such a mood, people forget about Olam Haba and they make bad decisions. Never make a decision when in a state of weariness or dejection. That's the lesson that Victor Miller learned from over here. And that was the downfall of Esav, making decisions at the wrong time about the wrong things. That's the idea behind it. Now, there's a little bit more. Rashi says that Ayef, coming in tired and weary, was not because he was just tired and weary after being hunter. He, was commi- he had committed murder. Now, we had already said before that he killed Nimrod. I don't think that's considered murder because Nimrod was an evil person in and of itself, although maybe he didn't deserve to have murder at that time. But he did kill his bodyguards, and the bodyguards were not Chayiv Misa. So it's possible that that's the idea behind it. The Pusset comes, Kayayefa, Nafshi, Lahorgim, and Yermio, Parik Dalit. It's possible that that's what the Ayef refers to, committing murder. And of course, it could be that the Medrash is only mentioning these three people that he killed. It could be that Esav killed other people as well. I have absolutely no idea. The Sif Sechachamim says if it really meant starving, it would say, Ra'ev, he's hungry. Here it says, it must be it's something different. There's a Gurari and a Mizrahi over here as well. Targum Yonason says it's more than that. Ayef is not just because he murdered. He had committed five sins on that day. Five sins. Number one, he had worshipped Devotazara. Number two, he had murdered someone. Number three, he had been together with a Nara Meurasa, an engaged woman. 
Number four, he had denied Olam Haba. Number five, he despised the Bechora status and what comes with it. The Balitosos seems to say three of the sins. There's different Midrashim. Some Midrashim say two, three, four, five, six, or seven sins altogether, right? There's a Kasha why it only mentions three, not the five, but that's not for here right now. The Rabbeinu Bechaya takes out the first one that he worshipped of Urizara and says it really is that he denied God's existence. He was Kofar Belo Kim. He was Kofar in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Gemara and Baba Vasra, Tezayin says that as well. So even though Targum Yonason says he was Ovid of Urizara, over here it says that he denied Hashem's existence and that's the idea behind it. The hints for all of these things are mentioned by the Gemara. The Gemara Baba Basra mentions every single thing. In fact, Ayef, according to Targum, uh, to, to Faris Yonis and Rav Yonis and Ayepshitz, Ayef is Pashat Yado Be'ikr. Pashat Yado Iker. He put out his hand against the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and that's the idea behind it. But each one is learned out from a different Pasuk. The Panim Yafos and Yuma Ayn, oh, you know what? I don't want to do this. There is a pun in Yafos. It's based on Yuma Ayin Zainam and Aleph about washing hands and that Asaph didn't want to wash his hands and that was the whole reason why he served him the food and he gave him the food itself so that he wouldn't have to touch it. But that's not for right now. Well, oh, quick, Shlomo. Yeah, you had a question. Could be. No, he had already killed Nimrod. And they, then they tried going up to him, obviously, <laughs> the guards trying to save Nimrod, right? They may have been considered innocent souls, and Asaph didn't have to do this in the first place. I think that's the reason why. Unless they were trying to kill him, it already went to himself. I hear, I hear, yeah, I hear. It's still murder. It's just murder with a hatter. You know what I'm saying? That still could be there. Okay, but yeah, number two. Correct, correct. Right. The Kofor B'Tchiyas and Kofor B'Ikr, as well as Kofor or Vayives is a Bechorah, obviously happened afterward. But it happens to be Vuhayef, he was Ayef from the five things that happened that day. Now, the first two things made him Ayef when he went into Yaakov, but it didn't help him even after he had the lentils. He was still Ayef. That would be the idea behind it. That would be the idea to be able to answer it up. So now, there's famous questions that they ask on this. Now, four of these things we can answer up. The fact that he denied God's existence, denied Tchiyas and we already talked about that. The fact that he hated the Bechor, okay, whatever, that happens, right? And then, of course, the murder. All of those we took care of. Nara Murasa? A Nara Murasa, there was an engaged girl that Asa was together with? What, what, what kind of engaged girl are we talking about? There, there's no Jews. There's no Kiddushin and Chuppah. So what does Nara Morosa mean? So this is a question by Moshev Zakanim, Rechaim Paltiel, Tosis Sanhedrin, Chavdal, and Mabez, and the Paneach Raza, all Rishonim. They all ask this question. How in the world? Non-Jews have the concept of Ashish Ish. Non-Jews have the concept of being married. How they get married, it's not through Kiddushin. It's by living together and planning on living together. And divorce by them is not through a get. It's by not living together anymore. But Meurasa, there's no Kiddushin. There's no such concept. How could Asa have been together with one at the time? And they all say that although it wasn't something usser, but it looked disgusting. There was a girl that was engaged to a guy. Not a real Kiddushin, not a real Naramurasa that we would call halachically from the Torah, but she was engaged to be married to a person. And that's the person that Asa was together with. And that's the same as Mevaza Bechorah. Listen, Mevaza Bechorah, is there an Isser in hating being a Bechorah? No, there's no isser. It's just something that's eh, weird and disgusting. So do we hear the Naramurasa was something weird and disgusting. He should not have done it, even though it wasn't really Ashish, even though there's no real concept of Naramurasa. Miam Loez says the same. A non-Jew wouldn't be killed for this. But nonetheless, this is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing, especially considering his family. Now, Tiferes Yonas and Rabionis and Ibshit suggest there were Gerim around. The Gerim of Avram Avinu, the Gerim of Yitzchak. There could have been people that were around that 
followed the halachos that Avraminu taught them, and perhaps Avraminu even taught them the concept of kiddushin and chuppah. We have no idea. Maybe the concept of kiddushin and chuppah were right there for them, right? The Yaivit says the exact same thing in Sanhedrin Nun Zayin Mabez. He says, a non-Jew who is together with the Yisrael's Naramurasa would be Chayiv Misa nowadays. And therefore, it could be that this applied in the times of Esau for the Gerim of Avram and Yitzchak, and therefore there was an Naramurasa, and that Naramurasa was the person he was together with. Now, the Chassam Sofer says, this sin with the Naramurasa proved that he was an adult. It's an interesting little thing. Remember what we said before, that Esau was 13 years older than 15? Here's the deal with Esau. Esau never had a bris mila. Crazy, right? How Yitzchak Avinu could have a child that didn't have a bris mila? Here's the reason why. Esau was born extremely red. There's halachos. You can't give a bris mila to a kid who is extremely red because we don't know if the blood issue is an issue. So he waited and he waited and he waited, right? But he couldn't give him the bris mila. And then by the time that he was, I guess, clean enough or healthy enough that they knew he was going to be able to, Esau chose not to get a bris mila. So Esau never had a bris mila because at the time he was too red to get one and later on he never got one. Not only that, they had no idea if Esav became a grown-up man. Normally, the way that we know that a person is a grown-up man is by seeing two hairs in areas where men normally don't have hairs as kids. When they have two hairs, that makes them into a man. But Esav was hairy all over his body from the time that he was a baby. He had hair all over. He looked like a little forest, right? The whole thing from his head to his toes, his entire life, his entire life, he was like that. So you never knew when he was an adult. And even though we know, oh, the age of 13, that's how Moshe Sinai that 13 becomes that way. We don't know that from anywhere else. How did they know at the time that he was an adult? But the shot is, you know that you're an adult. This changes when you're able to have a child. And here's the shot. Esav had already gone off, says the Chassam Sofer, from the age of 13. That already started happening. From the age of 13, Esav already started going off. But he was together with women that were already married. So when a child was born, they had no idea who the child was. They assumed it wasn't Esav's, it was the actual husband's. And they never thought anything of it. But later on, when he was with Anara Murasa at the age of 15, that proved he was an adult. Because Anara Murasa wasn't together with her husband. There was no husband yet. So therefore, the child that was born had to be Esav's, which proves that he's an adult. At that point, that's why Avraminu had to die. Avinu could have died at the age of 13, but it was pushed off two years because nobody could prove that Esav had done anything wrong, even though it definitely looked horrible. Nobody wanted to say anything because they weren't sure. But at 15, they knew, and that's the point when Avinu had to pass away. That is a crazy shot. From the Nara Murasa, it proved that Esav was an adult and was doing absolute evil. Then they could prove everything that he had done wrong. That's a, a, a crazy, crazy shot over here. Prima Gadam in Hilchos Pesach, Tafayin Vav Gimel says in Mishpah that Avram Avinu died Erev Pesach. Yaakov had baked matzahs and lentils. That was the lechem unizidah, not real bread. It was actual matzahs for the Pesach Seder, whatever they had back then. Yaakov Avinu offered both to Esau, but suggested he wait that night to eat the matzah, right? Because it was Erev Pesach. What's Allah on Erev Pesach? You allowed to eat matzah on Erev Pesach? No, you're not allowed to eat matzah on Erev Pesach. You know what the Gemara says about eating matzah on Erev Pesach? If you eat matzah on Erev Pesach, it's like you're together with a Nara Hamurasa, right? With your Arusa in your father-in-law's house. It's like you're together with a Marusa. He said, that's the pshat, says the Prima Gadam, in Nara Murasa. He wasn't actually together with a Nara Murasa. He ate matzah early on Erev Pesach, and it was as if 
He was over on Naur Morosa. What an unbelievable prima gadim. It's a prima gadim. Top ayin vav gimel. That's exactly that. Now there is a chidah that explains a little bit differently. An amazing chidah that goes through. I'm not going to have time to go through it. I'm just going to say the, the main points right over here. There are five reasons why people have to die, says the chidah. Five reasons why people give, where it's brought in chazal, why a person has to die. Number one, to show that Hashem rules the world. That doesn't apply by Avram Avinu because a Kaddish Baruch Hu, everybody knows. Avram Avinu knew that a Kaddish Baruch Hu was in charge of the world by the, the Kivshana Eish. Number two, maybe to purify the body, make it ready for Tchias Amesim, right? But Avram Avinu already seen by Akedis Yitzchak that Yitzchak somehow had a form of Tchias Amesim. That's why I was saying Mechai Amesim with the bracha of Yitzchak Avinu, that somehow was all there. There's something that's clearly necessary for, it's not necessary for Tchias Amesim to happen. Number three, right? Avram Avinu wouldn't need that. Perhaps there's the hate of Adam Rishon. The hate of Adam Rishon was still there in the world, and when Adam Rishon sinned, he caused everybody to die. So it's possible to be attacking that sin. That's what you had to do it. Maybe that's the reason why, and that's the reason why it had to be. But... The Avos HaKadoshim were attacking the hate of other nations. So when Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov were all alive and they fixed everything, they were attacking the whole sin of, of, of other nations. It was all gone. So therefore, that's not a reason for Avram Vinu to die. Maybe one needs death to see the Pnei Ashkina. Right, Kilo Yorani Adam Bachai said a Kaddish Baruch Hu to Moshe Rabbeinu. Maybe that's the reason why, but that can't be either. Moshe Rabbeinu was able to speak with Hashem Panim Panim before he died. Right, so that's that can't be. So altogether, we have four reasons why you're supposed to die, but all four did not apply for Avraham to be able to go. And number five, maybe it's in order to receive the full schar that you're supposed to get for your mitzvahs, and for that reason, you have to die in order to go to Olam Haba. The body can't receive proper schar in this world, right? Only in the next world. So Esav assumed that the proper reason for death was one of the first four, and because of the answers that the Medrash gave for all of them, he couldn't understand why his grandfather had to die. It's, if it's the fifth reason, he couldn't understand why everyone was so sad. Like we said before, he finally able to get his full reward. What's the problem? That's why he was so upset. And that's why when Yaakov was cooking lentils, etc. The, the shot is, is that lentils is not about something sad. And that's what a Baruch was trying to show Esav. That Esav had to understand that there are things in this world that we might not understand, but there's still, some, there's still something awesome behind it. We just have to sit there and accept the fact that the world is round, that it goes around, and things are going to happen, sometimes bad, sometimes good. And at the end of the day, what Esav couldn't understand is that a Baruch Hu had a plan even for Avram Vinu dying at the age of 175. There was a plan for everybody in that way. And if we're Zoha, if we're Zoha, maybe at some point we'll be able to understand what a Baruch Hu has for us. That's the end, everyone. Have a great Shabbos. I think that's the shot behind it.